Hello and welcome back to the Cafe Hustle podcast and to this episode where I'm delighted to welcome Steve Turk onto the podcast. Now, Steve is the founder of Turk Hospitality Ventures. He's a hospitality advisor all about creating unique solutions and experiences for luxury hospitality businesses. But there's so much to learn from him. He's also a host of the podcast Hospitality Mentor Podcast, which is part of the Hospitality.fm family that the Cafe Hustle is part of of two. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about Biscayne Coffee. Now, this is set up by Steve, and really, it's more about the mission behind it and why Steve has chosen coffee as the vehicle to deliver, basically helping to save Biscayne Bay for future generations and, you know, help it address the challenges that it's facing over the coming years. But we're also going to turn to guest experiences, and this is something that we are consistently seeing across hospitality, is it's all about guest or customer experience so we're going to talk about some of the fundamental elements that go into creating great and memorable experiences too so we're going to get into this episode after we get back from thanking our sponsors Controlling our labour cost is so important at any time of the year and especially in this run-up to the holiday season where it's very easy to overstaff our business and eat into those precious profit percentage points. With Road Declared, you can create a labour budget based on your sales forecast and target percentage to ensure that you are not overscheduling your team. Simply input your sales data and Road Declared will show you your actual labour cost which allows you to easily compare performance with other periods and help you make improvements where you need to. One client reduced its labour cost from 25% down to 19% through using RotoCloud, which is a huge saving, all through having that additional insight and acting on it. What's more, you can even see your labor cost in real time as you schedule to keep it front and center as you plan. If you have any employees, you need RotoCloud. Head over to thecafehustle.com forward slash RotoCloud now and sign up for your free 30 day trial. So, Steve, fellow hospitality.fm podcaster, Thank you very much for coming and joining me on the Cafe Hustle. Oh, Andy, I appreciate it. Always here to support fellow podcasters. And plus, you give great knowledge, and I'm happy to be a part of your audience today. Yeah, and, and I'm really grateful for you coming on. And, and you know how hard, we've just been discussing it before we came on live, is how difficult it can be to, to get these podcasts together. But at the same time, when we look at the industry that we're serving, it's much harder to run one of those businesses than it is a podcast. And like I say, it's just what we're, we're happy to do is share that knowledge. No, it gets tough. You know, in hospitality, everything pops up. Like you think you have one day going, like, oh, I'm going in for this kind of day. And then one phone call or one thing happens and you got to react very quickly. Uh, absolutely. So I, I know all of us in hospitality know that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I always start with purpose. I'm, we're very much focused on mission and purpose the cafe hustle so what's yours what keeps you doing what you do wow well great question first my family right so we all i want to support and give a great life i have two young kids a six-year-old daughter four-year-old son a, a great wife and i want to make sure that they have the best life they can have and so that pushes me to to do all the things that i want to do and really my mission changed after the pandemic was i just want to work with on things i love with people i like working with and so yeah. that's what I ended up doing um, and starting a bunch of companies over the last basically year and a half and, and running with them and having a great time doing it. So give us a background then about what, where your journey through hospitality, where you've come from and mm -hmm. obviously the, the businesses you have today. I'll give you the, uh, 
the, the minute download here. So I, I started <laughs> my hospitality love started way back when I was probably about 10 years old was the first time I remember being at a really nice hotel. And here in the United States, I live in Miami, at, on Miami Beach. There's a hotel called the Fontainebleau Hotel. And it's one of the iconic ones of the country. And you know, like Frank Sinatra lived there. And it was one of these places that was just very chic. And my dad was an attorney representing hotels and his best friend happened to be the hotel manager. And so I was always hanging out at this beautiful hotel. And I just remember it being the coolest place, you know, like, especially when you're a hotel manager's friend, you could watch whatever movie you wanted to watch on TV. You got to go get whatever ice cream you wanted. You got to play in the pool and get a cabana and do all these great things that you do on vacation. And as a kid that just stuck with me. And so I went to school and studied hospitality at the, the university. And when I got out, started my career at Miami Beach and just started that journey all the way through being a food or cabana boy was my first summer job. And then got all the way up to being a director of food and beverage um, at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel, uh, which is about an 800 room hotel here, mm-hmm. um, you know, luxury place. And in between, I got to work at the Mandarin Oriental and Nobu Hotels and Viceroy, a lot of great brands, and just really enjoyed hospitality. And I had about a four year break from hospitality. So in two, 2014, I was working for a hotel company. It was actually the Trump hotels. So before all the politics started um, and I just saw that I had this entrepreneurial itch. I wanted to do something and that hotel allowed me where they said, look, you, we see you want to do something, go take a month, see if you can make this company work. And if it doesn't come on back. And I took that month yeah. and I started a staffing company that we grew it to 700 people. Um, but realized I did not like it. And it was four years in and was lucky enough that a big company wanted to buy it, sold it, and went back into hotels. And so that's where I ended up back at the Lowe's My Beach Hotel, where I started. And pandemic comes along for all of us, changes a lot of our lives. I was lucky enough to still have a job, but my job was very different uh, from the job I had before, where I had a lot of layers of people helping me before. It was just me and a handful of leaders that we were grinding it out every day making sure we could do the best for the hotel that we could. But I wasn't seeing my family, wasn't seeing my kids. I was like six, seven days a week, 12, 14 hour days. And it just clicked one day as I was cleaning hotel rooms. And I'm food and beverage director. I was cleaning hotel rooms. I want to try to do something else. And that's where we started the company. So I use LinkedIn a lot. So if you're ever on LinkedIn, I'm happy to connect with you. I started putting out free advice for a lot of people. And really, if you look at the early advice in 2020 and 2021, I'm talking to myself. It's like more motivational. So I was like (laughs) writing to myself, like you can do this, make it through. But it it got people reading and a couple of hotels reached out and said, hey, would you come work with us? And I said, well, no, I'm, I'm good here. But if you need help, I can give you some advice. And it turned into a consulting business on the side without me really thinking I was gonna start a consulting business. And so I do... I have a hospitality consulting company where we really focus on guest experience and making more money through focusing on the small details and guest experience. And that consulting business got me out of the hotel day to day, but I still work with several of the hotels in my area here. Um, I had a partner when I had the staffing company uh, and he started a vacation rental company and said, Steve, I would love to bring some of that hotel management experience to the vacation rental industry. And so we started, uh, he started Tangy Management. I joined him. So we're partners there. And we now have 50 homes here across South Florida um, that we manage with hotel standards. 
And then we started the podcast company, right? So we basically a media company just for fun. And it turned into something great. So we joined Hospitality FM like you. So yeah. all those things were percolating. And then the last piece to this puzzle where it all ties together is a coffee company um, called Biscayne Coffee. And the reason that coffee company started was we were buying all this coffee for the vacation rentals. I said, man, we could have our own coffee company and really help the environment too because we donate 10% of all sales, not net income, but all sales to help support the local uh, bay here called Biscayne Bay. So that's where Biscayne yeah. Coffee comes from. So it's, hopefully that wasn't too much information for everybody, but we can jump back into any of them that you have questions <laughs> on. Uh, but that's, yeah. where, that's where we are today. Yeah, and I know we're going to touch on on the guest experience side of things, because which is becoming more in focus, certainly even for the, the, the food to go sector, certainly coffee shops, I think needed to focus more on that. We're going to touch on that later on, but starting off with Biscayne then, because obviously coffee is, mm -hmm. is what we talk about a lot this yep. side on the cafe hustle. So what was it about coffee? Is Was it purely just the business element of you obviously needed for the, the vacation rentals? Was that the catalyst for, was that the sole catalyst for going down no. the route of a coffee company? No. So it, it came from, you know, the story, if you, if you go to our website, you'll see I have a little video there that tells the whole story. But the story is I live on Biscayne Bay. And so in Miami, that's really the heartbeat of the community here. And during the pandemic, for whatever reason, there was a big fish kill. So all of a sudden there was millions of fish dead on the bay floating around. Mm. Uh, we found a dead manatee you know, which is one of these rare animals yeah. in the Bay. And we're like, man, we're just like killing our city here. And my kids asked me, they're young at the time. Now they're six and four. They were, you know, two years younger. So four and two. And I said, man, I'm just looking at them. They have to live here. So I needed to try to do something. And so the next morning as I'm having a coffee, I'm like, man, I drink coffee every day. I know <laughs> coffee industry people. I know roasters. I know farmers. We could do something here. And I just that moment said, all right, we're going to start Biscayne Coffee. And I started with a logo. I just went on Fiverr.com yeah. and said, I want a vintage logo. This is what I want it to look like. Had the logo sitting for a month or two and then put it into action. And so it was more of what can I do to help the community versus the business need. But when I had the vacation rentals, it just kind of tied into it. And so it all started flowing together where I like creating things. Let's create this. I have it already built in following and i can market to those people staying in the homes and that's where it came from it was really more just to help the city and something i knew that people would drink every day because there's a hundred coffee companies out there it's just what's the story and why do people care about your coffee versus someone else's yeah and just on a side note when you're talking about story then that is the big differentiator now between you know you run of the mill whatever business whether it's a coffee shop vacation rentals coffee itself mm -hmm. the story behind it that's what invokes the emotion in people and that's what attracts people to these businesses yeah it's true on on the podcast this podcast allows us to talk to some cool people right i'm, I'm sure you've talked Absolutely. to people like wow i would never Absolutely. talk to you one of them was a ceo of voss water and he started he was one of the first people that worked for a book champagne and he said steve mm -hmm. the key to any consumer brand you need great packaging it's got to be a great product inside and you have to have a story that people care about. If you can hit all three, you'll be successful. And so without knowing, I was going to talk to him about that. I was like, man, I've, we've done this with this coffee. And I showed it to him. He's like, you've got it. Now just go push it out there. So yeah. I think it's true. It really is. You have to have all three. And without all three, it's 
it just makes it harder to get your product yeah. out there. And how did you get going with that, the roastery side? Did you use, was it a shared space or did you yeah. go straight in with two feet and, and set up your own No, roastery? I did not. I tried to manage yeah. risks uh, as much as I yeah. can. And so, especially with my first company where I learned yeah. a lot of mistakes, uh, it was very risky. And so this time I was like, all right, how do I maximize all my connections? And really LinkedIn is what helped me. And so I had yeah. friends that were roasters and I went to them. I said, here's, here's the idea. But I'm a food and beverage director for my whole career. I can't have crappy coffee because I just, I think you might be the first one to know this. I tested it with like some drop ship person yeah. I didn't ever meet and the coffee was terrible and I was embarrassed to put it out. So I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> so I met with my friends uh, down here and we worked on a specific two blends that I chose and then a single orange because I wanted something from a local farm that people were like, that's the farm that it comes from. And to mitigate risk is I work with them. And so they roast the beans, they package it for me, they ship it for me. Um, but I know them, right. And so I'm with them yeah. weekly. I'm there. We talk every day. And so I feel good about working with them versus just some random person. I don't know, drop shipping a product that I don't believe in. And that's really important as well. No matter what, you know, business you're in, mm-hmm. like you said before, the, if the product isn't right and certainly with coffee, and certainly since the pandemic, people are much more educated around what other tastes are much more, expect much more, don't they? And with if you're going to supply them any old coffee that, you, again, drop shipping, you have no element of control over, there's added risk there again, isn't there? For sure. And so that's where you have to know the people and you have to, to work with them. So there's risk on all sides, right? Mine was, how can I start this? for as low risk as possible. And if it does take off, I have great partners to grow with. And so it is growing and taking off. And so now we're putting more energy into better packaging and better products and uh, getting our shipping costs down, which is, you know, a barrier to a lot of people, especially yeah. when you're, I'm doing most things online now. So we have it in offices and our vacation rentals, but if you want to order it, it's expensive to ship things now. Yeah. So, you know, we're putting all our effort into those. So people, people can order a great cup of coffee and know they're doing a good job for the environment by doing it. And how was it received? Is it as the local community around you got behind the initiative? Yeah. Yes. And so it's tough because everybody wants you to be at their events, right? Providing free coffee, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, it's free. It's free for you to advertise. Yeah. But it costs me money to do. Yeah. Uh, So you have to be very choosy about where you're doing those things, you know, because you can't, you can't be at every farmer's market and every charity event and every place, even though I wish I could be. Uh, so I would say we're being very smart about the places that we do it. But something that we found that is taking off is there's a lot of, you know, for listeners, if you're not familiar with Miami, you can Google some pictures. All these beautiful condo buildings are right on the water. So you're either on the Atlantic Ocean or Biscayne Bay. So we're getting into these condo buildings because they offer coffee to their residents. Yeah. And... I don't want to be in the restaurant or hotel business because it takes a lot of machinery and a lot of capital to do that way. But I found this way, getting into these residential buildings, they already have their supplies. They just need coffee. Offices, local offices are buying the coffee, which I love seeing um, because they want all support. They want to feel good about doing something they're doing for their, for their community. Yeah. And would the be, is there anything that you would change now looking back? Cause it was at May time. I think you started 
Mm-hmm. It was around May anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. Is there anything you would do differently? Any mistakes you made? I know obviously you're using your partners to, to source mm-hmm. the coffee and to roast, but is there anything you would do differently in those early stages? I would say the early stages, nothing that too much to, well, I'll go back because I did make mistakes when I first started the drop shipping. I would say focus oh, yeah. on great design first, right? Because your bag has to stand out. It can't just, yeah. I guess it can't be, but everyone can put a sticker onto a bag and make it look like it's farmer's market ready. And that might be your vibe. It might be. Yeah. I just think for you to be able to compete and tell a story online, your bag has to help tell that story. So everything on our bags tells a story. And so you can pick it up and know exactly what you're getting from it. It tells the story of the company. It has symbols of the city. So I'd say I would work on the bag first because I was using a sticker on a black bag and that just wasn't working. And then the other mistake that I made was not finding people that really knew what they were doing right away. I would say make those calls because you'll be surprised that there's roasters that will work with you, right? They, they don't mind doing a white label service for you if um, they tr- believe in what you're doing. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's fun and those right. And the partners, you can't always do everything yourself. Can you, especially yeah. early stage, if you, if you're able to, is to, to get the people who have got that expertise to, to provide, like you say, if they're willing to provide a white label product for you to, to basically package as your own, mm-hmm. you're already the majority of the way there. Again, I know we're talking about customer experience later on, but that then you're talking about the product and the packaging. That's a big part of customer experience, even in this sense where you're not actually physically in the same location as a customer, but they're still using your product. Yeah. It's good. It's tough. It's hard to like, I didn't have the time to learn how to roast. Right. And I knew that I was like, I would like to have a little roaster and learn how to do it. But with two young kids, you know, a very successful attorney wife and running multiple companies, I said, all right, how am I going to scale this? Yeah. And you start looking for the network effect. All right. Great partners that I can trust. That's hard. You know, somebody might just say, all right, we're going to take this as our own and move on. Right. Um, So people that you trust and don't be afraid to share the idea. I think that a lot of people get caught up in that. You got to sign a non-disclosure agreement. You can't take my idea. It's like, guys, just get started. There might be some specific tech company that needs it, but a coffee or a food company, you can give them the playbook, but they can't run the place, right? So yeah. go start talking to people, meeting people, put your ideas out there. Cause if you don't put them out there, it will never, it will never start. Yeah. I know certainly from, I would did an episode very recently about what it means, what differentiates our businesses, certainly in food and budget. And really it's not the products necessarily. Yes, there is differences, but it's that certainly in a business, certainly in, either a restaurant or a hotel, the culture that you create, that's the difference. And like you're talking about there's is you've just got to get it out there and develop it into to what it is. You know, and obviously it's it's getting to the point now where you're making a difference to your local area. But where how how far does it go then? How does what's the long term goal for Biscayne? Yeah, you know, it was a there was a local beer company that kind of inspired me. They're called Funky Buddha. And they started here in South Florida. And they were really just a Florida company. They did Florida really well. And they ventured outside of the state of Florida. But then they were purchased for like $400 million, right? Really just staying in one little area of the United States. And so I got some great advice from some distributors in the alcohol industry. They're like, Steve, focus on your state. 
right? Focus on your area, especially with such a niche name. Focus mm-hmm. on growing it in your, there's millions of customers. So focus on going after those people in your areas. But down the road, I just see this as a business style that works, whether it's for coffee or for drinks or for clothes. Like if you're giving back to your community, more and more people want that. And if you have a story and good packaging, I think you can do that with anything. So I'm focusing on this now, but I could see where this brand grows into other things as well. It is it's so important to be be beyond just the financial? I know you're you're providing a, a is it a, a percentage of the sale? Is it? A, a yeah. So what we're it's a, listen. Yeah. It's a big number, and people are like, you're crazy. So it's ten percent of sales. It's not ten percent right. of bottom well, line. It's top percent, ten yeah. percent of the top. Oh. And we're trying to stay competitive in pricing. Yeah. Um, you know, we set the prices eighteen dollars ninety six cents for a twelve ounce bag, but the eighteen ninety six is the year our city was founded, so it tells part of the right. story as well. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to keep it there because it's about you know it's nineteen cents more per ounce than other coffees, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we tell people it's nineteen cents more, but ten percent of that's going to go back to help save the community. So people buy into it, and it's just an easier sell that way. The Cafe Hustle is brought to you by Road Declare, the people management platform for shift-based teams. Used by more than 4,000 businesses, Road Declare saves managers time spent on admin, helps save on labor costs, and makes life easier for you and your staff. Try it for free for 30 days by visiting thecafehustle.com forward slash Road Declared. The Cafe Hustle is also supported by Espressly. Now, with the move to digital happening fast and your customers expecting to get access to your business wherever they are, means a mobile ordering solution is crucial for allowing your customers to order on the go. Not only that, but your digital presence must be an extension of your physical location and brand. With Espressly, you can get your very own branded mobile ordering app that integrates seamlessly with other brands, including Square. Give your staff and customers a mobile ordering experience experience usually only reserved for big budget operators and chains check out what is possible over at the cafehustle.com forward slash espressly that's e-s-p-r-e-s-s-l-y if you need a mobile ordering app you need espressly so how does this actually translate into help of the bay then obviously there's the financial element oh, yeah. mm-hmm. from biscayne but where does it go then beyond that what work is getting done to help Bay. So we teamed up with a local um, foundation called the Biscayne Bay Foundation, and they raise money and their goal is to keep hiring people just to work full time, basically skimming the Bay. And so yeah. we keep donating to them monthly, every month since May. And they're forever grateful because now they have something they can share too, because sometimes it's hard to raise money, right? It's just hard to ask for money in any charity. So they can say now, hey, you could buy this coffee and have something tangible, and we're actually yeah. getting paid for you to, to drink this coffee. So I wasn't expecting that part because um, I didn't realize how hard it was for them to raise money. So now it's easier for them. So they're helping sell the coffee without being a salesperson because it's helping them. So it's just an interesting way that this business, you start seeing how these effects can really, these network effects, you start bringing in people that care, they start pushing out the word for you. Yeah, no, it certainly is a, a like when we are able to help our communities to this extent, and obviously, like you say, there's if people are seeing the work that's getting done off the back of buying the coffee in the first instance, it's it just creates that connection with the people that are around your area, doesn't it? And I don't know, it business in the past has had a bad 
bad rap. Certainly, like even you look at oil companies and fossil fuel companies that are getting slated because of their huge profits. But when you're able to give back and vision, and that's part of your mission and your your purpose, certainly in your case, it's not just about the money side of the business. It's about the people that live in the bay. Fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it started with that. So if you if you really listen to the story, I didn't know what I was going to sell. I just needed to do something. I, I couldn't just sit yeah. and do nothing anymore because it's so easy just to say, all right, well, I can't control Mother Nature. I can't control global yeah. warming. Some people don't even use that term because it's you know not the right thing to say, right? But I just thought I can't sit back and see my little kids inherit this. What can I do? Even if it's a small drip in a bucket, I got to try and at least yeah. shine a light on it. And it could have been selling t-shirts. It could have been selling, you know, something else. Right. But I found that coffee is very ritualistic for people. And so if I can break Absolutely. into their rituals yeah. every day and become of their every day, and they happen to see that beautiful bag sitting on their counter or their cupboard, and it connects them to think about something differently during their morning routine, that was what I wanted to break into. And it's working little by little. I'm getting reorders. So that's the good sign. When I got first started getting the first reorders, I was excited. So <laughs> that was good. That's uh, one of your big KPIs and make sure people are rebuying the coffee. Yeah, I yeah. was uh, I was excited because you have a lot of friends and family that will support, but then it's all right. What happens after that bag is done? Yeah. And that sort of brings us into the next part of the conversation around customer experience, because obviously that relates to that in that sense. Your experience obviously came through the hotel sector, really. Mm -hmm. And obviously, experience, customer experience is a big part of, of, of that element of hospitality. But what are the fundamentals? What, are you, what would you advise people on when you're working with them, really, about what the guest experience is? Ooh, that's, a, that's a big question. But here's <laughs> what I start with is let's look at all these small I'm a big believer in this, I, and I preach it a lot. The small details make a huge impact in the guest experience. And we can take it to a coffee shop, right? Let's use a coffee shop, for yeah. example. Right? Most people here either have a coffee shop or have been to a coffee shop, have experienced it, is, all right, I ordered my coffee. And this happened to me this morning. I ordered a coffee and a smoothie, and I gave a big thank you to the person that made it for me. I got nothing back. Right? So thank you. Have a great day. Yeah. It was great seeing you today not even looking at me, no acknowledgement, moved on. So yeah, that's the basics. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. And I spend a lot of money here, right? It's, that's the basic, but it's also, yeah. once I got the coffee, what does that coffee cup look like? What is it made of? Does it have a logo on it? Is the color matching the environment? What is the top like? Is it easy for me to drink or does it not fit on top of that cup? I take that cup to the, co the counter to put my milk and sugar and honey or cream or whatever you might offer. But what does that area look like? Is it a disaster? Is it covered in a mess? Or did you really think it out and say, wow, here's a really pretty or unique pouring device, right? To, like a creamer that looks high end that I feel special using. Am I using local ingredients so I can bring that in and support the local company, even though it might cost a little bit more so people can use that? It's, Everything you touch in that customer journey or that guest journey is part of the, the experience. So I always say, let's go through the entire journey as a customer from the time you walk in, what does it smell like? What's the music playing? What is the scene that you've set to how the person talks to you at that counter? 
once they collect the money, are they telling you where to go? Or, hey, thanks so much for ordering. Comes over to the right. We'll be right with you. Just little cues. And then once you walk out that door, how do you feel when you left? Do you feel you got taken advantage of? Or do you feel like, all right, that was awesome. I can't wait to go back. So I focus on that with all my customers, all these small details that you may not notice them, but they all add up. And if you do it the right way, it becomes one of these places you want to go back to all the time. Which is really important. We need the, certainly in the coffee shop industry, we need people to be repeat customers. And I think, and you'll probably have seen the same is, is trying to get managers, even just any member of staff to look at the business from a customer point of view and to go through that journey. Cause really, and certainly in busy places, you don't, or the staff don't necessarily see the business other than from the other side of the counter where they're working. They don't look at it from the customer side. And so how can we get people to start thinking more like the customer and how they can in, look at the business from the point of customer interaction? Uh, listen, my favorite thing to do was to pull my team out of their routine. And so yep. what I would do in my restaurants, in my cafe, all my pool decks was, all right, Andy, let's get you from behind the counter. Let's go sit down. We're going to be a guest for the next 20 yep. minutes. You're going to have our meeting, but we're going to be a guest. Now let's just observe. Let's see what we're seeing. What do you notice? Look up. Oh, I didn't notice that vent had some black dust on it, right? I could never look up. I'm always looking at the customer or making a coffee. Or, wow, this music is really loud. I can barely hear you, Steve, while we're talking. Right? I think it, it requires you sitting in the environment that you work 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes every other day, or 20 minutes a week. Whatever it might be, if you just do it consistently, you'll start to notice things. And my favorite thing to do is you take off that name tag, if you wear a name tag, or you take off the apron, wherever you're working, and just listen to customers. Because they will... You will overhear their conversations, whether they're good or bad. And they'll be like, wow, this place is great. I love this. Or can you believe that B word at the counter? She didn't even look at me, right? And I just paid all this money and it's terrible. But you'll hear these things. And I love doing that, especially when I was working in hotels. I would sit in that lobby or the bar and you could pick up things very quickly and just see how guests are interacting with the space. So if, if you do that, your team will start to act that way. Yeah. Even just little, like, and certainly on that point, it's that is one of the most effective things that I found in our coffee shop is like, certainly through the busier periods. And, and at times I sort of almost felt a little bit guilty, you know, cause you're leaving the staff to, to deal with it, but that's the time where you notice those cracks, but it certainly is the most effective way to get that information. Cause really our customers very rarely will give us actual feedback they vote with their feet, don't they? They'll just not not come right. back and go somewhere else. But to be able to sit there and read the body language even, you start to pick up on cues of actually maybe something isn't quite right. And it gives you an insight that you wouldn't normally get as a manager or a business owner. Yeah, and one of the things I did too that I now preach in all the companies I have now too is one-on-ones. And so your team wants to connect with you, whether you believe it yeah. or not. And so I would say you can make it 30 minutes per person because as a leader, you're busy, but your team wants that time with you as a leader. Mm -hmm. And so the way I structure my one-on-ones, and maybe this will help somebody, was it was the same time every week. They chose the time. It's their meeting. 
the first 10 minutes is theirs to talk to me about whatever they want to talk about, about the business, about their life, about what's going on. The first 10 minutes is whatever they want. Second 10 minutes is mine. Here's what I need from you. I'm going to write it down. We're going to keep track of it for our next meeting, but here's what I need from you. Can you commit to this? Great. Last 10 minutes, how are we going to make your career better? What do you want to do? How do we get you there? And so every meeting was structured that way. And you know, there's places I've left where the following leader doesn't do that. And they call me saying they still wish that they had that. Because I got so much from those meetings. It made me look like a superstar. And all I was doing yeah. was just listening Absolutely. and putting things into action. And so I would tell people that that's just invest in doing that. We're doing it at the vacation rental management company now. And it's a, a clear difference in how people are staying with us now. Turnover's down. Company's getting stronger. So I, I think if you combine those two things of just being a guest and also having these meetings with your team, you, you'll do really well. The, your team, certainly, and, and, and you will have found this, is those one-to-ones, they, they give you a lot of feedback as to what is happening for their job. You know, from their point of view, what they need, what they don't necessarily need or things that need to change that we don't get to see as as owners or managers, you know, day-to-day basis but you touched on connection there and it's really the fundamental of leadership isn't it you mm-hmm. that connection builds respect but it also builds trust between especially when you're actioning what yeah. they're you know they're telling you about what is the longer term so from an operational point of view what's the effect of that it's I know clear you're if you, about, if, yeah if sorry. you're consistent with it you, it will do very well for you and i think in any kind of business and so the reason is, is you become more of a coach too, right? And that's what we all need in life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have a, you know, a life coach or a business coach or a, a health coach, right? Like everyone needs those in life. You see it with the best people in any industry that have it. But by asking people to commit to something during that meeting, are you committed to getting this done by this date? You're just holding them accountable to what they've committed yeah. to. And so for me, it was easier. It wasn't me telling you to do this. That Andy, it's not me coming down on you. Andy, you told me this. I'm just asking if you got it done. <laughs> And if you didn't get it done, why didn't you? And we'll try and get this fixed. But if you don't get it done multiple times, this is not a place for you, Andy, right? And so those are the kind of talks that made it easy for me to lead a lot of people because I was just using their words as their commitment and holding them to it. And so for me, it just shows clear. Your your retention is high because you're giving a voice to everybody. Sometimes those meetings can be emotional because they're having a hard week. Uh, and you don't want to hear it, and you have to control your listening because it's easy just to snap back. Where I've had, I remember sitting with one gentleman who was the most vocal, one of the senior leaders on a team. But you got to listen because if I just snap, it wouldn't do good for anybody. Yeah. And so, but those things, if you can be consistent with that, you'll you'll see just exponentially how much you'll do. And you, I know you all say, "Well, I don't have the time to do it." You will have the time because your team will be more efficient. You won't be putting out as many yeah. fires. I think in hospitality in particular, leadership can be, or certainly developing leadership skills is something that is almost left to, you know, we're promoting sometimes people who are not necessarily the best leaders, they're great at a job, but they're not necessarily the one who is able to lead. And I think in we need to simplify leadership in hospitality, or at least the image of it, because fundamentally, like you're saying there, if you're able to listen more than you speak as a leader and to coach people, that is, that's 80% of the job of, yeah. as a leader, really. People leadership wise. 
Yeah. And then you have to just follow up with what yeah. you promised your team. Because if you tell your team in that cafe, all right, guys, I heard you. We need a lot more of this type of supply. I'm on it. By this date, I'm going to get it for you. And you don't, you've lost the credibility with that team. Yeah. So it goes both ways. Right? If you're going to commit to something, you have to do it too. Right? Hey, the espresso yeah. machine's been down. One handle's been broken for a month. And you say you're going to get it done. And you don't. That's when your barista quits and goes down the street to the next place because they have the better stuff. Yeah, no, that that consistency is is has definitely got to be there. Turning us back to just to customer experience again, I want to know what are your non-negotiables when it comes to 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 customer experience? Because I know I, certainly a lot of the stuff that we you mentioned before, there's an element of a cost to them, and yes, people will be yep. saying, "Well, I can't afford to to right. do that." But what are the elements that maybe they can do? The non-negotiable yeah. stuff, which are fundamental, and don't necessarily cost a lot of money. If you just started with saying hello, whatever time of day it is, like, hello, good afternoon, good morning. If you just started with that, that is a must because you're welcoming somebody to your store. And the end is saying goodbye. Those are my two big ones and doing it friendly. If you can just do that and you can somehow get their name in there, you say, you know, good morning, Mr. Jones or good morning, Andy. Great to see you today. You now have a fan for life. Like I was just at a hotel this weekend and I've never seen so much guest name usage. Like I was shocked. Wow. Right. But there were the four seasons, right. And they are going to be a five star, five diamond hotel. And you see why it's just a building like everywhere else. They have a pool like everywhere else. They're on the beach like everywhere else, but they use my name in every interaction. So I felt like I knew them and you know, hopefully like we were talking about earlier, I can get some more sponsorships on the podcast with some zeros on it so I can go afford the four seasons all the time. But (laughs) It is a place that is clearly trained well. And if you can just do that, I tell my team, if you can just get their name with a hello and the time of day, you have won a fan forever and they'll keep coming back. So then you can afford to do the other stuff that you want to add. Right. Those are the things that that matter. Yeah. And really the, throughout this whole conversation, the things we've spoken about, it all comes back to connection, doesn't it? And creating that connection. Mm -hmm. Same with with the coffee. Although you're not physically connecting with the customers, the people that are drinking it, the story connects them. And the same with your team and the customers. When we can build that connection, a genuine connection, which is what you know, like the likes of Four Seasons do by just using someone's name, you come away from there and you just think, "Wow," because it's so different from what you would get at any run of the mill business. Yeah, and so I know, you know. As a, in a cafe, if you use those things, that's great. It's now how you take it to the next level because like you touched on something. Well, I can't afford that or I can't afford to buy those things. Well, I'd say each one of your team members, you need to have run a competition, right? And create this little sense of I'm going to upsell as much as I can to this person because now I've said hello to Andy. I've got his attention. Hey, Andy, I know you always love the cappuccino. We've got this great scone today that they just brought in today. Would you like me to add that to your order? Or would you open to be, would you be open to trying it today? You if you say it that way, most people are like, yeah, I'd be open to trying it. <laughs> right. And so if you, I always add that to my teams, would you be open to trying this today? A special of the day, something like that. Most people yeah. will say yes, because it's not a yes or a no question. It's more of, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, just give it, give it a shot. But if we ran that competition, it's clear to see who the tra- true salespeople are and, and who are not. And then we give training yeah. to those people to get them a little bit better. 
Again, yeah, another thing, identifying the right people, to, for, certainly for hospitality, is really important. So, listen, we're going to wrap this up now, but I yeah. want to let what, well, your turn to now to let people know, one, where they can find you. Obviously, LinkedIn, you, it, I would recommend people follow you on on there because there's so much great content that you're putting out onto there, really useful. What about the podcast and any other place where people can go to find out more about you? Yeah, I would tell you the first place to find me, and like uh, Andy said, is LinkedIn. You can find me there, Steve Turk. I'm I'm there all over the place. Um, I'm on Instagram as well with the same name, and TikTok now. We're putting a lot of cool video content out there as well. Uh, but the podcast, if you're into hospitality, we interview people about their journey. I always wondered how that general manager got to that position or that CEO got to that position. So we're really understanding their journey, and they're sharing a lot of great knowledge on the hospitality mentor podcast. So you can find it in all places that, that stream podcasts and feel free to reach out. I'm here. I'm a, a real person. I answer people all the time. So I'm happy to talk to any of yeah. you. And we'll leave a link to all those places in the show notes as well. Listen, Steve, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It's been great to, to get to chat with you as a, a fellow HFM podcaster as well. But thank you for bringing your knowledge or experience to the Cafe Hustle. Well, I'm grateful you had me on and I appreciate the time. Thank you. It's a real privilege to chat with Steve on the podcast. And there's so much there. And certainly the, the bit we need to carry through from this podcast is when it comes down to that guest experience and how the details matter. You need to get in a position where you can see from a customer's perspective what is happening in the business. Get out in the, sit out in your coffee shop, cafe, restaurant whatever your hospitality business is or even if it's not just a hospitality business any business listen to what your customers are saying the conversations that are happening organically out there without being prompted that's where you'll start to pick up uh, little bits and and look at body language see where people aren't quite so comfortable so yeah really great great experience from steve there but also lots of tips to action and use in your business but as ever we got into leadership there as well and again we were talking about the one-to-ones really important to start doing them with the teams this is where you know as a visionary which is what you are as the owner as a visionary you need to be receiving all this information whether it's from the customers you know anecdotal information anything that can give you more of an insight you're there to try and use it and and that has to feed into that that thought process that production of your vision for the business your ideas this is all prompted by the information that you glean from employees through those one-to-ones or again looping back to your customers that's the place where you can really get an advantage and know what is working and what is not in your business again as always, if there's something, if, certainly in this episode, if you've liked it, make sure you share it with your colleagues, your staff. Let's start getting everyone in our business thinking like you as an owner or a manager. This is where, you know, a lot of people complain or observe that people in their business, their employees don't necessarily see things from their point of view, but it's not always about their passion. It's just whether they've had their eyes open to it. So if you 
think you've got that in your business, share the podcast with your staff and see if we could start getting people thinking more like we do as entrepreneurs. Again, anyway, thank you very much for joining me on the Cafe Hustle. I really appreciate it as always. And you know, I genuinely do appreciate it. Any feedback, drop me an email to andy at thecafehustle.com or over at Instagram at the Cafe Hustle Podcast. Just drop me a DM over there. But yeah, again, look forward to welcoming you back on the next episode of the Cafe Hustle. With competition for hospitality staff fiercer than ever, it's never been more important to offer your staff a five-star employee experience. One way that hospitality businesses all over the UK are doing that is by using RotorCloud. RotorCloud is the web-based platform for planning rotors, recording attendance, managing staff holidays, and more. It also makes life easy for your staff by giving them 24-7 access to their rotors, timesheets, and as well as letting them do things like request annual leave, arrange their own cover for any shifts they can't work all via the free Rotoclide mobile app. Head to thecafehustle.com forward slash Rotoclide now to claim your free 30-day trial and give your team the kind of employee experience they deserve. <laughs>